welcome, welcome, welcome to my lovely IHP community and any new listeners we have some new content going on. Here is where it is not pink tainted glasses to unconditionally love and be compassionate. It's enlightenment. And we have a full episode on our YouTube channel, 10 minutes. So you can get a little bit of gist of that. For the psychoeducation, I go in depth on some aspects for our episode. On the audio, I'm just going to share the three-year-old heart that is whole. So a securely attached person, a 5D mystic, an individual with an integrated brain, a restored embodied self. So compassionate. It's a human 101. We know the devil and evil. It's not something that is here. The evil thing, all people that need a good trauma therapist and a long journey to regain their emotional body connection. The whole devil, it's a story. It's not to deny the devil thing because I know some people, oh, how dare you ancient text? It's in the mind's eye. I'm a mystic again. And really when I contemplated the whole devil, it's an angel who has fallen and the whole evil, well, you're getting the opportunity to choose not to. And really what I want to say is the scientific methodology proves that there is no demonic possession. When a person has nightmares year after year after year, the whole demonic possession is not demonic. There's a brain, and the brain fear receptor breaks. And here, Patrick McNamara, you can look him up. Neuroscience proves there's no demon in the body of a poor person who, after so many nightmares, basically gets whatever it is I need to read the book. So long story short, I know people like the excuse, and we have plenty of groups that still have their silverback bad educator leaders. They're not, they're not really great at all. So they don't bring the any of the good information. They, they actually say, nope, we don't believe in the updated empirical data that is still working. We believe in the loopholes that we're filling up with the ancients. Yeah. If you want to believe in the ancients, you go be with 4D plane and 3D plane and the ones who want the silverbacks might as well be with the flat earthers in the book of a person who knows enough trauma-informed stuff to say, yeah, there's no devil in the body of a person or evil. And the whole temptation, well, that's called compulsiveness. And when you have insecure attachment, attachment wounds, and childhood trauma with PTSD, you're shoving shit down because you don't want it to come up. Self-soothing mechanisms instead of learning how to self-regulate your nervous system, and that would be, first of all, by reconnecting to your emotional body, which is disconnected, which means, first of all, terror. Terror like the actual, like, falling on the floor, crying to death in terror because it's that excruciatingly painful to face your three-year-old as a person who's an adult because... Your first three years of life is all implicit memory. As long as you don't know how to be compassionate with all human beings and you think human beings are broken, you're not in 5D space, you're not in the adult emotional land just yet, or restorative embodied self, which is our human 101. So I'm human 101. Oh, enlightenment, so age group, because it is this spectrum right here. I have a brain, it's integrated, all hands on deck. I work with my left and right mode. My default mode network is down-regulated. And I am in my ventral vagal social engagement system, and therefore I'm consistently a conduit, and I'm consistently equanimous. When I do have charges, they're not really charges, but my three-year-old does come up in a rigid form with my lovely mother and my twin, because I was three with them. So yeah, that that happens where I go rigid and chaotic. (laughs) It's instinctive. I try to work on it. Other than that, pretty good. Kali comes up for my teenage Maria, who's a lot more mature at this point. It's really amazing to know your charges. We all have them, all the human beings on the face of this planet, except for the ones who don't want to believe in the updated scientific methodology research stuff. So again, 
if you don't believe in mental health professionals and all the updated stuff they learn, that's your stuff, not mine. And I, on the other hand, love how to explain why I'm present all the time and not making assumptions, even though, of course, I do make mistakes and can fuck up. But when I'm meeting you, I don't make assumptions. When you tell me something, I don't make assumptions. Here's why my divine masculine friend, one of my lovely special, special friends, he's, a, he's amazing. So we were joking and he said this thing to me. He said, you know, I could manipulate you, right, Maria? And I instinctively said, no, you couldn't. But then I paused and I said, yes, you could actually. <laughs> and he looked at me and I looked at him and I said, well, worst case scenario, you'd have me crying on the floor, but then I'd get back up. So, but please, you won't do it, right? Because I don't really want to. He's like, no. I'm like, well, well, you know what? Even if you did it, but don't do it, okay? Don't do it. You promise? No, don't promise. I, I'm not going to ask you to promise. And we're laughing. Him and I are laughing. So here's the good thing about when you know yourself. It's that you know yourself. I will never, ever, ever in a million gazillion years assume anything of anyone because I'm not an arrogant asshole like that. And I will rather build something with my entire presence then make up shit that isn't true in my brain. So that's why. And furthermore, if I choose that I like you and I want to be your friend, I'm going to give you a true shot. I'm not going to do the let me take a fool's a jump, a risk, and not do it. So some people, they don't open their heart at all. Or maybe they pretend to. That's the best way I can put it. So yes, a lot of People pretend that they want to be open-hearted with another person and then they don't because they don't become their full three-year-old self. They're not vulnerable. They lie to people. They do revenge. Uh, they actually make up shit and store. You know, it's sad to say as a 5D mystic, there are people who cut cords and do incantations on other people. And don't ask me about that one. It's a sad, sad story. All I can tell you is uh, science is magic that works. And as a mystic, what I love most of all, is yeah, energy can't touch you. Na 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 can't touch this. So yeah, I've had experiences. They can't touch this. And when people say you can get a bellyache from somebody doing magic shit, well, if you believe in it, there you go. Your brain believes in it. I started my belief stuff with Jesus and God, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, I know what it means to be unconditionally loving and. Lo and behold, Purusha Parakriti. So when you have a lovely relationship with the sphere of energy, it's shared consciousness, you're pretty much, yes, invincible. Invincible, like the TV show, no, the cartoon, what was it? So long story short, it's not gullible. I was gullible in some instances of my life, but it was not and is never when I'm being present and allowing people to just be themselves. And here, before we begin, so the story of when I was gullible, here's what I'm going to share. And this is with one of my boyfriends. We were at the port in always my lovely Pozzoli. And we're at a table at a cafe. And him and I are having probably what was a date night or something like that. Oh, we were going somewhere. We were supposed to go on vacation. I forget where we're going. Anyways, so he, he's, he and I are just chit-chatting, having coffee, smoking. I was smoking cigarettes at the time. And there's a person who comes near our table and they leave a little, I think it was a little religious figure or something. And they were saying it was just for charity. Like, you don't have to give me any money. I'm just going to leave it. And I believed it. I was 18. No, not 18. No, wait a minute. 20. 20. Because it was before I started to travel for college. So I was 20-ish. And 
And that was actually my second experience that I was actually aware and realizing, okay, don't believe everyone because it's not true. The first one was with these lawyers because I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up. And then I changed my mind, long story short. I remember meeting the first two lawyers of my life and they did cocaine. And in my brain, I'm like, but wait a minute, you're lawyers. Aren't you supposed to respect the law? Then they are doing cocaine. That's illegal. And you're lawyers. What are you doing? So long story short, that can be considered gullible. And I learned from that. I learned not only that people don't embody or give a shit about the job they do, because that's hypocrisy. Uh, The fact that you're a lawyer and you do drugs and it's illegal, not going to judge you about it, but that's a hypocrite. Go do another job. Like seriously, like with police, if you're a police and you're doing illegal stuff, well, you're a hypocrite. Some people like to use other labels. No, no, you're a hypocrite. You're not an adult human being. You obviously don't know how to hold your heart body or value body. You, you might do yoga. You better know you're not living a aligned life. You're, you're misaligned because you're speaking out of your mouth, doing things that are, you should choose another job. You know, like just it's incoherent, inconsistent. There you go. In insecure attachment. When you do an adult attachment interview, it will be something you'll notice the inconsistency so I even have my Eric Fromm quote let me go grab him before we start as that one is really the best way I can present and this is where he's a psychologist there's nothing to do with mysticism or spirituality so here unless you have faith in the persistence of yourself your feeling of identity is threatened and you become dependent on other people whose approval then becomes the basis for your feeling of identity Every person that I've met that does a job, but they are not consistent with their job's title are people who are trying to please appease their parents. In fact, they're doing something because basically society told them so. They don't have a sense of identity. They're not emotional grown-ups. Their three-year-old is not their own. It is a three-year-old that's looking still their attachment. Please tell me I'm approved daddy, mommy, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy, or society because we also have a societal system in your network, your system, network brain. And here's where enlightenment soul age group, we don't. So we don't do things to look pretty to our peers. We don't give a shit. We don't emotionally regulate, excuse me, based on our peers. So if my peers don't like me, I won't like that. But I won't be like, oh my God, now I should go do it. And, you know, the only short time that I did do peers was the one year that was from, what was it? Uh, 12 to 13 or 13 to 14. I realized how really bad decisions teenagers make and how they're liars that nobody has anybody's back. So they all just tease each other because they're all insecure emotionally. That's what I, in fact, was aware of and realized with enough visibility. And when I got to become older, I realized that all adults, unless they are three-year-olds who are emotionally mature, so they have secure attachment and restored embodied self, the integrated brain, they will lie. And, you know, here's where the whole... I think it's in today's story that I share when you think there's fireworks, but then it's like a dead firework, so it only makes a spark, but you thought it was a true spark. Yeah, that's actually something that will be very easily remindable by all people who don't know how to be in their enlightenment. So, Adrian, so it's disappointing is the word I want to use, but is it really when you understand that childhood trauma, attachment insecurity, and everything that is the whole devil evil temptation is all about people who have a shame cycle and they have insecure attachment stuff going on. That's why they have compulsive activities. They don't know how to self-regulate their nervous system. So they go and do drugs or they go and fuck each other. 
and then they do this compulsively, or they go and get drunk and fuck each other, and then it becomes this thing, then they talk about doing spirituality stuff, they even do the yoga stuff, but apparently they don't know how to get out of their own, what is it called, self-saboteur, it's not a self-saboteur, they don't want to be compassionate with themselves, and they even don't know how to get out of their inner critic, so they choose to use their brain in a whole way of let me crap on myself versus go and get good mental health professionals to help me get out of the imposter syndrome that I want to use as a diagnosis to myself, but that I'm not going to be doing anything about. Or how about let me get out of procrastination so that I can move from disconnected attachment to secure attachment and stop sitting in my room and thinking about things that I would want to do and never doing them because I'm too tortured to actually connect to my emotional body. So here's why. Patrick Tiahan, childhood trauma survivor, he's now healed and healing still, of course, and he's a therapist, and he has the six pitfalls of when people who have childhood trauma don't go to get good therapy. So they stay within this shame, guilt, blame, and they basically don't go to therapy because they also might not find a good one. Okay, so... This is the part where unless you figure out that compulsiveness has nothing to do because the devil tempted you or evil tempted you, you have what is called suffering in your body for reasons that the scientific methodology people, neuroscience biologists, and mental health professionals can all help you if they're good enough. And I'm not even specialized in it, but I'm informed and I'm spelling it out. You know how many people look at me and roll their eyes and continue their compulsive fucking and using alcohol you know I actually had to watch a person that I love dearly as they actually in two years two years use the dark sides of neuroplasticity and there's no way in hell that I can help because I did consult I did help I did support I did speak I spoke my mouth to them and now that they've completely armored themselves, which is a word that the good somatic experts know once a person has armored it's not the devil it's that that ego is so shame and they've just literally locked themselves in because that's how scary it would be to start unraveling the trauma memory. So this is where, and I'm not a liar, so I can't see this person. I literally have a celebration for them coming up and I'm not sure how to handle it because I can't lie to people that are my loved ones. No matter how many times you, oh, you need to, I'm not going to filter shit. This person's lying about a thing that I was a witness to. I was a witness. If I hadn't been there, then I could have played dumb. I can't play dumb. I was there. I was there the night that this thing went down and they've been lying about it to other people. So here's, a, here's where I can't see somebody and have them bullshit me in my face, know that they're not doing well, and, and there's that. So long story short, it's not a big deal obviously it's just very painful because in the whole scheme of things even when speaking straightforward to this person they literally oh I only uh no what was it I already have my therapist and I'm thinking no they're not a therapist they're a counselor <laughs> that's a different story and your counselor what the fuck of a degree do they have how do they not know what's going on but then I'm like maybe they don't know because obviously they're not good observers. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I just know it's a sad story to see somebody that can thrive and could have thrived to end up in worse shape than ever and, and actually know that this is suffering. This is a person who suffers. It's not an evil demon of any sort. It's a person who 
did and does inner critic, outer critic, shame, and then goes projecting their unfinished business from home to other people that now they don't have good relationships with. It's, a, it's, a, it's all actually something that can be avoided, but around them there's no person out of the whole group and everyone that I had no power except for what I could have done and what I did do. And I was ignored. So here's where you can psych-educate all the people you want. Like Patrick Tian points out, it's not our job. And we can't help people who don't want to move into help. And it's not the devil. No, no. It's actual just three-year-old broken heart. And it's something so straightforward. It's not even funny how straightforward it is. That's the saddest part. Go watch Mean Girls and hang over and laugh. It's not funny. When I watch movies, I can have laughs, but every time I watch them, I think of people like this person. Smart, beautiful, sweet, a lot of things. Now they're completely in this state, and this is the lifetime that they're going to live. This is not something beautiful to see. So... Back to Eric from only the person who has faith in themselves is able to be faithful to others because only they can be sure that they will be the same at a future time as they are today and therefore that they will act, feel, they will feel and act as they now expect to. So those lawyers that I met, they didn't know what they were doing and so do a lot of people. They don't know what they're doing because they're not doing it as grown-ups. They are doing it to please mommy, daddy, daddy, mommy, and so on and so forth. And on that note, enlightenment, it's just straightforward. It's people who know that emotions are how you are ruled. And that three-year-old, again, the first three years of your life, you're a implicit memory. You're a bunch of sensations. And on that note, moving to our story. So the story that I have, I was 26, 27. And oh, the last part of the gullible with my boyfriend at the time. So the number one, the lawyer's gullible, yes, <laughs> or naive, I should say, probably. But it made sense for how I saw things and how I still see them. If you're going to be linear, you're going to be linear. And if you're that, you're inconsistent is all I'm going to say. So two stories, second story. I was sitting with him. We got this little trinket, whatever it was. And I said, no, why can't you just think people are nice? I actually argued with him about it. <laughs> I was like, you're such an asshole. Why do I always have to think people want something from you? Something like that. And sure enough, though, the lady, I think it was a lady, she comes back and wants money. And he looks at me, and I'm like, fine, you know? So it's one of those, like, fuck me, okay, I got it. That's gullible. In this instance, the story I'm going to share, I'm not being gullible. I was pretty much, as I always am, just, like, living out a relationship, building friendships. So when you are a person who unconsciously loves and you're not going to do stereotypes, and that's it, you've chosen, you're not going to think of the opposite sex, because in my case, I'm polyamory, I am a solo poly, however, it is one that is primarily male, actually only male, so I'm interested in men, is what I'm trying to say, so long story short, I don't say no to being friends with men, even though I've had to learn in time, unfortunately, I use the word men, but they're really all boys, because apparently they don't know how to just be friends with girls, women, Go figure, stereotypes, right? This is the whole part. Well, I'm going to, again, allow myself to repeat. A true man, a true woman, a true day, a true human, a enlightened adult human being emotionally will not be in any way, shape, or form a boy, okay? And immature, or a girl and immature. So immature is adaptive child, insecure attachment people. Three-year-olds with broken hearts. They should go to good trauma therapists and get grown up. That's what I'm going to say. 
And here's where the story begins. We're at a cafe, my girlfriend and I, we're both 27. She's maybe, no, she's a couple years younger than me. And we're, we're going out dancing. So we have fun. We begin to go to the clubs that this man, there's two men. I'm going to call one. Uh, I'm going to use letters. Uh, they both have E's. So let me do E1, E2. <laughs> we'll just do it that way. E1, E2. Okay. So E1 and E2 are a couple of friends. They are guys. They are both men who sell tickets to go to clubs and they organize club nights. And so I don't know what the word is in English, but in Italian, it's PR, public relations. And then they have clubs that they create like type of contract with or something like that. So E1 and E2 are at this cafe because E1's girlfriend at the time, which she eventually she breaks up with him because he cheats on her all the time. They're not in polyamorous relationships. They're in monogamous relationships. And they're not open to polygamy or poly polyamory, excuse me. I mean, might as well have been polygamy because both men were interested in fucking other women, but they were interested in doing the whole, I'm going to cheat on you versus go and say, let me be polyamorous. Uh, okay, so on that note, not knowing how to be straightforward, like I want one night stands. This is something that is in the book of a grown-up person. You don't know how to be a grown-up. And that's what I'm going to call you, a not grown-up male or female or they you don't know how to be a full-blown human being otherwise you'd be securely attached and have a respectful way to treat another human being so please stop with the excuse of the devil evil and all that other stereotype shit okay how about that that's how we will approach this right now and thank you mental health professionals for sharing the first 18 months of life is very important and the last three months in the belly of the person who carries a person Okay, so all of this matters to how you're going to grow up. If you want to keep on blaming an entity that is beyond the realm of visibility, go for it. I have proof of how tortured people are in their bodies when they have childhood trauma, PTSD, and they're projecting their unhappiness. In fact, you can see because of the words they choose to use and just how they walk around and how their brain works. And by the way, your brain neuroplasticity, as one of the ladies who's a neuroscientist explains, when your frontal lobes are flapped down, guess what happens when you're in a trauma safety behavior response to your frontal lobes or your frontal cortex? They're flopped down, they're pushed down. So the neuroplasticity agent, your imagination, it's going to the amygdala. Lo and behold, that's how the enlarged amygdala happens. And people who are not in safe bodies, that's why the 4D keeps on using their clairs in ways that are not necessary. Okay, on that note, let me get back to our story. <laughs> so my girlfriend and I, I'm a blonde, no, I'm a brunette, she's a blonde. And these two men, E1 would get the blonde, E2 would get the brunette. I noticed because I noticed there were at least two, if not three groups, meaning of couples, of girls, their girlfriends. But two fixed, one was a solo because who knows where they're, brunette girlfriend went and the one that solo became a friend of mine I also became friends oh wait a minute one two yeah no I also became friends with the other two groups so long story short I noticed that these two men worked their basically way to get people to come to the clubs by hitting on friends girlfriends that were going out together it made me laugh. <laughs> I'm 26, 27. I'm thinking, what the fuck? Seriously, you can't make this shit up. I mean, why watch movies? You're just living the day of people being immature. Okay, so I begin, we begin going out to the clubs that these guys are 
organizing and we actually strike up friendship. So I begin chit-chatting and the male E2 who likes the brunettes or somehow, I don't know how they fixated on this thing. Honestly, maybe it was a coincidence, but he and I got into very interesting intellectual conversations. So we were chit-chatting on Messenger, the old Messenger MSN, and my blonde girlfriend was chit-chatting with the other dude. And she did end up telling me eventually that she did fuck the dude. And she was, though, with a boyfriend at the time, but the boyfriend lived far away. And in fact, then she broke up with the boyfriend. That was when she said, you know, I did end up sleeping with him. I was like, well, you could have told me before. I wasn't going to judge you. I knew you were having problems with your person anyway. So, I mean, no big deal. But you know he's an asshole. Why would you even bother, you know, fucking him? He has a girlfriend and we know the girlfriend. She's at the cafe. You know, that's kind of awkward, don't you think? (laughs) But anyways, forget how her and I talked about this, but I was like, it's It's your thing, you know, not mine. I did not have any interest whatsoever in this man, except for intellectually and to build a friendship. So I was enjoying myself to chit-chat and talk. And this guy, all of a sudden, he stops interacting with me on Messenger, which I noticed. I found it odd, but I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, he's busy. I was making friends. We we see each other at the club, so no big deal that we're not chit-chatting on this Messenger stuff. However... I find out eventually something, which is why I said, okay, now all of this is adding up. Okay, so one of the nights, I think it was the second night, and again, you're going to hear some of this story in a future episode for my regular listeners, okay, just so you know. Um, So we're out on second or third night going clubbing, and I am in this club, and I'm just chit-chatting, and my friend comes in, and I'm going to say hello to him, I think, What happens is this brunette woman, I hadn't seen her yet out at the cafe, but she steps on my foot like very hard and almost throws me over. Like she literally, I knew she had done this on purpose or she actually accidentally fell because her foot was really heavy on my foot. So I knew it's two, two, two were the variables. Either she did it on purpose, which was wow, but I knew that they were because of the routine And because I had already seen the women being jealous and catty, I think is the word, I knew that if this was what it was, it was because I was going to say hello to this person and the woman got jealous. So no big deal. I didn't fall on the floor. I didn't break my foot. Nothing happened. In fact, she apologized. I said, no big deal. I think that's the night we began talking as well. Because of course, she fell on me like, whoa. And we introduced each other. And lo and behold, I became friends with her and her blonde friend. (laughs) So there. And we started to go out as a crew. And then I met my other girlfriend eventually. My other girlfriend was already solo. Who knows what her brunette friend ended up. You know, I don't know what happened there. But anyways, to make a long story short, as time moves forward, one of the nights, it was summer. So we go from winter to summer. This brunette girl who had stepped on my foot almost threw me to the floor. We're sitting on the beach. It's nighttime. We're enjoying a chit-chat. And she says, hey, Maria, you remember that night that I stepped on you and or whatever? I don't remember how she said it. But you remember the night we met? Probably something like that. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you know, E2, you know why I did what I did? She says, E2 came and whispered in my ear don't say hello, don't hug me too strongly because you're going to make Maria jealous. 
And I laughed in my friend's face because I did not in any way, shape or form ever think, oh my gosh, I want to date this guy. Was he cute? Yes. I remember telling my girlfriend, he's a cute guy. He's smart too. <laughs> he has a girlfriend. I'm not going to be with a guy who has a girlfriend. No, that's not. And I had noticed again, the shit that they were doing. So there's two things, but even if they weren't doing shit, he had a girlfriend and they're not polyamory, they're monogamous. You can tell if somebody's polyamory because they would tell you that. I also don't believe in people too much at this point because men seem to like their stereotypes. They, men, again, I mean, in my book, as long as you can't tell the truth, I don't consider you a human at all. A, a mature human, you don't know how to speak the truth. I, I love that people think they can use an excuse. They can't use an excuse except for one, I choose to lie and if it's compulsive you need a therapist that's what i'm going to say so it's a sad story if somebody compulsively lies because they're torturing themselves for no reason and other people and i do know a full-blown unfortunately narcissist who's i mean i say that because of what i saw but hopefully they've disengaged from their pattern i say hopefully but i know that only if they went to a good therapist with their entire family so long story short <laughs> this story my friend tells me this thing and I laugh very, very hard. And in my brain, I'm like, that's why he stopped writing me on Messenger. And I can't believe. So to her, I'm like, this is so egoic. Or he was so egoic. How egoic of him? I said, how egoic of him? Do you know that I had no fucking interest? I actually have a person. And actually, now I have people. I don't remember if I had already people. But I have people that I love. He has no room for me in a way of I wanted to be. No, he's cute. That's it. <laughs> I was making a friend. That was what I thought. Now I know why he didn't continue making a friend. And that's actually quite shitty because why wouldn't you make friends? If you're not going to fuck me, I can't be your friend. Is that what it is? You know, like, anyways, this is not what I went on to tell her. I just said I had no interest. This is very egoic. I cannot even believe that he came to you and told you that, not to mention he made you jealous and got you to fucking step on my foot, which hurt, <laughs> you know, because it did hurt. Uh, luckily, I didn't break my foot. So it's not pink tainted glasses. It's enlightenment. Secure attachment people, we are not insecure. When she stepped on my foot, I had, again, two assumptions, meaning two variables. It's either this person is upset because I came and said hello to a guy she likes, who's being an asshole, by the way, go figure. Stupid women, yes, yes, stupid men, stupid, they're all stupid. In the book of a person who can see clearly, what the fuck, <laughs> what are you all doing? Are you all that insecure? That's why I said teenagers. Because emotional, insecure people do shit like this. Drama land is not for the people who have their ventral vagal nervous system engaged. Because we see it and it's ridiculously obvious what's going on. And again, if you really fall in love with somebody, for example, meaning you want a long-term commitment, the fact that the person has a girlfriend is going to immediately mean you're not it unless they leave the girlfriend. And even here, when people do do stuff like that, they always are going to think unless they truly trust the relationship. But here's where it's a pattern. So the way that you can tell if a person's going to be who they're going to be is not by what they speak. It's time. Because in time, they will take consistent actions. 
and they will so show you a pattern. So these men, I saw their pattern clear as day and night. All the women that they liked or that liked them, they eventually figured it out. Thank goodness for them. But some of them went through really a very not pleasant situation. And here's where people living their unfinished business with each other. Because if you ask me, it's pretty obvious. If they both have girlfriends, you are all nothing except for people they're fucking. That's it. So the fact that you actually don't even know this and you're going to believe whatever it is they say, what are you talking about? Wait till they break up and then maybe you can start talking but or have them be polyamory, which is really way better than that. I still can't believe that people are not moving into polyamory. They'd rather stay in relationships that they don't. <sighs> okay, here's another story. So this one's actually with a special bond and I'm going to keep it a little bit vague, but this is a special person. They are a person who I remember they meant and still mean a lot to me. They gave me a very positive experience. It's thanks to them. I already know that there are things that went in a good way for me. However, they're a flirt and they're also a person who is not a person who took ownership for a choice they made, meaning they eventually made a choice of getting married. It's great and dandy. I'm happy. So we're friends. We stay in contact as friends. However, they made a comment at a certain point in one of our interactions that made me feel uncomfortable to ever see them again. Because this is the part of where if you make a conscious choice to be in a monogamous relationship and you are wedlocked and your partner and you are solo together, you should not be making advances in any way, shape or form independently from whatever it is you feel. And on that note, I am a person who has the mysticism part. So what I mean by that is a bond is a bond. The interaction between you and another person can remain in a specific way. However, we are all adults, which means that we can maintain a specific very easily, might I add, linearity. Why? Because we choose that. And so in my book, there are things that I know are in the gray area in other situations. I already knew they were gray areas. But gray areas, depending on the situation, here's where, you know, when you're making a choice, how do I gauge this? How do I make the best of a situation? Especially when you're going in blind. So blinded, is where, okay, it's gray, I'm blind, but I need to figure out how to make the best steps so that I can support a situation. It's not about justifying, but that's where a gray area can be chosen because of the absence of knowingness and trying to figure out how the best way to help somebody. Okay, and so on that take, here's where they give this type of um, question. I believe it is in one of the questionnaires when they try to figure out what type of personality for policemen or women or police officers and for types of jobs. It's the, it's the part about bread. I think they say, okay, if you had to rob bread for your family because they were starving, would you rob it? And I'm, I'm going to say yes. If I'm starving, even though I would try to work first, but if I can't make it to work, Here's where the part about prostitution. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I'm sure if I was starving to death and in a way, yes, but this is those scenarios that people present you. There's only so much you can actually 
try to venture off in, which is why you don't go around judging people. Because I don't know what I would do if I was starving to death. I'd probably do whatever I could. That's what I'm going to say. And, and, and so here's where things begin to become a lot more intricate. When you have the scientific methodology of all the trauma experts informing you about people's first 18 months of life and how that affects them and their brain and their body and da 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 da, da. And here's where compassion for the Enlightenment Soul Age Group Human 101 is. It's if you know enough about human stuff that you cannot in any way, shape, or form, or I can't, I have never ever in my heart been able to be angry in a specific way. Even though people will, from my life, say you, you did because you used this word or that word, but I'm saying in my body, in my own human being heart, there's this way that I have never been able to feel independently from what has taken place. And, and I remember this because there are certain feelings that you acknowledge are part of the human experience, but when you have knowledge, and I'm talking about education, and I do, I'm educated, I went to school, I have a master's, I continue updating my education, I have knowledge in my physical human being brain that explains to me exactly why every human being will do what they do. And I know it so well at this point that I even can explain, yes, we can talk about the devil and the whole angel fallen and temptation. You can bring me all the scripture you want. I'm going to go down the path of understanding it through the brain structure. And I've been explained it by neuroscientists, biologists, and people who are trauma experts. So I'm not going to listen to the ancient silverback story because I understand a subjective experience. Furthermore, I grew up with God and I told God what I thought. And I also remember still to this day why I did my confirmation. And it's because of the man named Jesus and how he said, unconditionally loving people, turn the other cheek, forgive them for they do not know. And he did not say it in a way of you must succumb and be subject. No. He said, forgive them for they do not know. And those words to the heart of a person who is connected to the shared consciousness from a three-year-old whole heart, this is the Purusha that you will hear Sadhguru talking about. I'm translating it, translating it humanly speaking because it's all implicit memory. Your body will remember what your mind forgets. My body is a human being body and it has a heart. And I know that any human I meet has a heart too. And if you're that, whatever, there's something up, but I have nothing to do with it. And at the same time, I can only try to make it better, quote unquote, doesn't mean I'm going to save you. We don't save shit. It doesn't mean I'm taking care of you. No, no, no. I can try to subjectively reach out and let my hand say, I can unconditionally love you. This is a safe space. You can be yourself here. That's all I can do. You have a Zen master story. The forgiveness with the compulsive thief is how the shame, defectiveness, three-year-old heart can be shattered. But the person who has the heart needs to say, I want the compassion. And it's the minute that they turn their nose at compassion, not because of a devil. No, because terror is what's about to come up and they don't know what the fuck's going on and they don't know how to handle it because of the trauma memory that is so un, 
regulated. They don't know what the fuck is going on. The, the saddest part is this, is that people, when they're finding themselves in spots where they can be welcomed, they will say no because the emotions that begin to rise are just too much. The somatic therapists explain this. They say this regulated, modulated, embodied experience, no somatic until they first have an environment. They first have good psychoeducation. They need to know, like there's a bunch of different pieces before a person can begin to potentially explore their own human being body because of how these experts who study their life to do what they do. And so long story short, in the scenario of the stories, it's humorous. This is like a movie. <laughs> Hangover. Those two men, there's nothing childhood trauma. No, no, they're just two people, the average bear, the average bearette. And at the end of the day, when I found out what I found out, I just said, wow, that's really a goat. <laughs> I can't even believe this dude. Wow, that's hilarious is all I said. And I'm like, I can't, what do you say to something like that except for, oh, well, go figure. Uh, yeah, that's that's the story. So, no, not pink tainted glasses. In this case, this is not gullible. This is a person who can see people doing what they're doing, doesn't fall for anything, but at the same time, doesn't need to make any type of assumption. Because when people do stereotypes and overgeneralizations, actually, this is one of the things that studies have shown that people don't move out of PTSD. So studies show why some people, or they don't say why, I forget the way Michael Yapko terms it, but the study reveals that there are some people move out of PTSD and they say why those people yes and other people no. And one of the common denominators of the people who don't move out of their trauma are the people who use stereotypes and generalizations. So if this one bad thing happens, I got raped or I got you know lied to or I got... Uh, beat up. They say all human beings are shitty. All uh, okay, so that's the stereotypes, generalizations. All men cheat on women. No, there's polyamory. You can choose not to. There's polygamy. You can choose to do something different. Uh, all women. Yeah, this all. So I'm a person who does use words, and sometimes I say all and forever and. I do try to keep it in mind, but the reality is I don't believe in any way, shape, or form in stereotypes or overgeneralizations. I know they serve a purpose. They're not something I will use and slap on another human being is what I'm trying to say. So when you're enlightened, this is where you're at. Enlightenment soul age group, I'm present. When you and I are meeting, my bottom up and up bottom is silent because my integrated human being 101 brain is left and right mode, and I'm in my social engagement system, and I'm ready to be friends. And my three-year-old heart is a whole heart, so my social system network is not going to depend on you. My attachment system and my entire network of attachment is not going to depend on you. What this means is if you insult me, I will not be reactive as a child or a teenager. No, no, as an adult, because my executive decision-making function lobes were developed completely by the age of 25 i know how to be equanimous i'm 43 it took me some time to get here i remember the day that i was finally fully in it and i remember feeling proud and also saying what are you feeling proud about it's just your nature maria and i'm like yeah but it still feels nice to be able to just be loved because this is the beautiful thing about being human 
and feeling the depths of your emotional body and being in the Enlightenment Soul Age Group and knowing about 5D mysticism and being able to dismantle the 4D plane because their conspiracy stuff is getting old and the energy vampire and the oversoul, it's just really old. And I know that 5D mystics are out there wanting more than just what they're talking about. And you know what? Here, Clearland, it's awesome. So tune on in for more for any of you who have Claire's. We have plenty of stories. But remember, be compassionate and be kind. And if you are wanting to move through that three-year-old whole heart, here's where we do always talk about functional adult love language, how to live your relationships minus the drama because of secure attachment within you, we talk about the ability for you to regulate your own emotional body. However, that it's important also to know about your self-regulation and your nervous system. And so the master class that I'm due to start planning out and organize will involve as the first main module, the part about self-regulation. We also talk about it's important for you to notice if you have a window of welcome for your emotions or a window of tolerance. If you have a window of tolerance, then we want to keep that in mind because we want to have good trauma therapist that I can share with you and give you names or something like that because here's where it's not to be taken lightly the stuff that comes up it's a process and it's important and no there's no magic wand it's not because and I laugh because anyone who has a brain will understand that there's no magic wand to processing emotions that's all and why would you want it to be, well, I understand why, but the point is, you're a person. Your emotions are the most amazing thing that are part of your life, which is also why, when it comes to love, we will take a risk, always, because what's life without romance? But true romance can only be with a person who has securely attached within their own body. So their three-year-old heart is whole, because otherwise they're going to be a liar, a cheater, a whatever, an inconsistent human being who has a pattern. Now, that's not a bad thing for those of us who are empowered with three-year-old whole hearts. No, we are used to that. We're used to trauma people, insecure people. I'm used to people projecting a lot of shit. And I'm so happy that I finally got a hold of these lovely mental health professionals because I was consistently aware that it's not evil it's not a devil. I told it to God, who was the only person who I needed to tell it to, nobody else. That's my relationship. And then as I move forward, all the 4D peeps, I'm like, okay, you're all apparently not hearing yourselves. I'm just going to keep on nodding my head and moving along. But I could tell my ears were full of limited consciousness. And it was once instead I got a hold of Bezel van der Kolk that I was like, wait, you unlocked the door. Here's my answer their trauma memory, that's what it is. And that is the most beautiful day of my life is when I came across Bezel van der Kolk because that's enlightenment. Now, I love Sadhguru. I love him. I love that I, that I get to see this person be there for people for the spirituality soul age group. And I love that I get to hear all of his wisdom. But I love having Bezel van der Kolk, Stephen Porges, Peter Levine, Ruth Lanius, NICBM, my Awakened Embodied Certificate Program, Dr. Albert Wong with my Lovely Trauma Basic Core Skills. That's a great course. Anybody should get it. Anyone who's a holistic practitioner should be trauma-informed. You do not heal people from their trauma. I'm a Reiki master. I already knew that I'm not healing trauma because it's a journey for you to become your full-blown human being adult with your three-year-old. My three-year-old is good. I got a heart. 
And in fact, my heart is a whole heart, independently from all that other people will talk about when it comes to emotions. For a person who's in the Enlightenment Soul Age group, emotions are the bomb. It's like, ah, I want more. So even if we feel deeply in other circumstances, we will know, well, I'm an emotional being. It's cool. I'm alive. I'm breathing. As long as I'm breathing, it means I'm above water, which is good, because if I'm underwater, I need to get out soon enough. There's no truck on me. There's no physical danger. Lo and behold. Okay, so a lot of this and that for today and the stories. Stay tuned for more, and we'll be back. In the meantime, I wish you a wonderful day.